Thank you for listening to this special episode of the podcast by The Still Water. This is a retrospective of one of our most downloaded episodes. This is in celebration of a milestone. We have reached 10,000 downloads. The podcast has been heard in more than 40 countries around the world. So when we say thank you, we sincerely mean it. Thank you for listening. And we hope that these messages have been an encouragement to open up God's Word and examine it. We hope that you have begun to look at the Scriptures with a critical eye and be able to understand that it is truly the Word of God. So here is our earlier episode, Which Way is Up? Which way is up? That seems like a simple question, but under the right circumstances, it can be deceptive and deadly. The nation was shocked when, in 1999, it was announced that John Kennedy Jr., the son of the late President John F. Kennedy, had died in a small plane crash off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. Also killed in the crash were his wife, Carolyn, and sister-in-law, Lauren Bassett. In a family that had seen more than its share of tragedy, this was especially cruel. Because of the high profile of those involved, questions arose about foul play. But as the investigation continued, a very familiar pattern arose. John Kennedy was a fairly new pilot with less than 400 hours of total flight time and less than 100 of night flying. The weather conditions were not violent, but a haze layer caused the young pilot to lose sight of the horizon. Unfamiliar with these conditions, Kennedy began relying on his ears, his sense of balance, if you would, for the directions of up and down. Because of the darkness and the motion of the plane, his ears lied to him. This is a condition known as spatial disorientation, and inexperienced pilots are the ones most prone to it. In the case of Kennedy, his ears were telling him one thing, while the airplane's instruments were telling him something else. In his confusion, he lost control of the plane, and it crashed into the sea. In basic flight training, beginning pilots are told about spatial disorientation and how deadly it can be. Many new pilots snicker and say, that could never happen to me. That is why the Federal Aviation Administration has a simple device that they can induce spatial disorientation on the ground. Three minutes in this device does three things. First, it will forever convince you your ears can deceive you. Second, it will help you trust your instruments. And third, it will most likely make you very motion sick. We can be deceived about which way is up and which way is down. We can also be deceived about what is right and what is wrong. We have talked in previous podcasts that some of the Psalms were intended as teaching tools. These were songs that could be sung and remembered. They talked about important principles or history. The power of teaching this way can be seen in advertising jingles that can be remembered decades after the commercials stopped running. Psalm 73 is just such a teaching psalm. It teaches an important lesson by telling a personal story. The author of this song was someone named Asaph. We don't know much about Asaph except he lived in the time of King David and his son Solomon. The psalm begins with, Truly God is good to Israel, 
to those who are of a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps nearly made to slip. Many of the best lessons in life begin when the teacher says, I almost made a terrible mistake. This psalm begins with an acknowledgement of the goodness of God, but then says, I almost lost everything. Now, the author has my undivided attention because he has experienced this and knows what he is talking about. He says, For I was envious of the proud when I observed the prosperity of the wicked. When someone is hungry, it is not hard to imagine them being emotional about seeing people with so much to eat that they are obese. How did they get food and I don't have enough? How can that group of people over there not be suffering from hunger and all the problems and pains that go with my life? Well, on the surface, the answer is, they are immoral and have no regard for God. They are rich and well-fed because they are willing to practice evil. They have healthy bodies and even seem to have a death that is less troublesome. Asaph describes what he sees and how that makes him feel. If we look at the world we live in, all this sounds very familiar. Who drives the fancy cars when ours are broke down or falling apart? The criminals. Who lives in a big fancy house when we are struggling to pay the rent? Those that are corrupt. Who has their picture on TV or on magazine covers? Who is not afraid of the police? Who has the fancy toys or jet airplanes? Who brags that they are too rich or too powerful to be afraid of anything or anyone? They don't have problems or worries. They have more than enough to eat. They spend their time dreaming up new ways to be immoral. They brag about what they have done and laugh when someone questions if it was right to act that way. There is a basic principle found throughout the Bible. In simple terms, that principle is, people are people. We may move faster today, but the reasons we move are the same. We may have bigger houses today, but the reasons for having a house, or a house that's fancier than your neighbor's, is still the same. Criminals still brag. The corrupt still steal. Those who are trying to do what is right still struggle with the question, why do evil people have such an easy life? But this psalm and the lesson that Asaph wants us to learn is not really about economics or the cult of fame or power politics. This psalm is addressing what goes on inside our mind and our heart. Look how the dialogue continues. Therefore God's people return there and drink it all in like water until they are satiated. Then they say, How can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Just look at these wicked people. They are perpetually carefree as they increase their wealth. I kept my heart pure for nothing and kept my hands clean from guilt. For I suffer all day long and I am punished every morning. Asa says, I drank it all in and threw up my hands and said, Does God know about this? Look at them. They don't have any problems, and I do. I tried to do what is right, but I feel like I am being punished for it. 
I did it for nothing. Asa says he lost his spiritual balance. When I chose to be bitter, I was emotionally pained. Then I was too stupid and didn't realize I was acting like a wild animal with you. We look and stare at what they have, how they live, how they talk, and begin to think that to live a moral, godly life is a waste. This is the danger and the poison. It is a poison of the mind and the spirit. This is where the story of the plane crash applies. Like losing sight of the horizon, fixing our eyes on the prosperity of the evil ones can cause us to lose our spiritual balance. But how do we deal with this? John Kennedy Jr. was flying a single-engine plane called a Piper Saratoga. In his plane, right in the middle of his instrument panel, was a device called an artificial horizon. It could have been the source of life-saving information. It would have told him if the wings were level, if he was climbing, or if the plane was in a dive, or turning left or right. It would have contradicted what his own inner ear was telling him, but its information would have been correct. He could have saved his life by disregarding bad information for good information. So why didn't he? The answer is, he did not know how. He was not instrument rated. That is, the level where a pilot learns to use, and most importantly, trust his instruments over his ears. We look at the world through eyes untrained to discern what is genuine and what is an illusion. We look at the world through eyes untrained to discern what is genuine and what is an illusion. We see the immoral and criminal and think, What we see is happiness and the right way to go. But that is just bad information. If that is bad information, how do we get good information, the kind that can save our life? From Psalm 73, But when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Asaph tells us that he turned back and remembered to put God back in the forefront of his vision. Like the instrument that gives accurate and life-saving data, God says, what they are doing will be their downfall. Watch as they crash and burn. But the subject is not that God brings justice to the wicked. There will always be the immoral that look like they are getting away with it. That is an external issue. This psalm is about an internal issue, my attitude and mindset. My anger, envy, or hurt can overwhelm my heart and my soul. It can break my ability to rest in the hope and love of God, poisoning that relationship. If that process is not stopped, it can break that bond forever. There was another instrument on the control panel of Kennedy's plane that played a critical role in the disaster. It is called the airspeed indicator. There is a red mark on the airspeed indicator, sometimes called a VNE, standing for Velocity Never Exceed, showing the pilot that if they were to go faster than that red line, the plane will begin to rip apart. 
Kennedy lost control of his plane, and it began to spiral down, going faster and faster until the wings were torn away. Asaph is describing his downward spiral, but he stopped the process before it was too late. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. A principle that is found in many places in the Bible is that we are not static. Our life, values, morals, goals and priorities can and do change. Even more terrifying is that immorality is progressive. It changes us over time, pushing us further and further away from God. As an example, the very first psalm begins with this thought. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. Notice the progression. Walks, stands, sits. He connects that with the advice of the wicked, the way of the sinner, then finally those who would mock at the idea of God. It is progressive. In contrast, Psalm 73 says with great relief, I was headed that way, but turned around in time. There is life, hope, and an understanding in knowing and obeying God. He says that there is nothing he wants more than God. Jesus told the people to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. The last line of Asaph's psalm begins with, But as for me, he is making a personal choice of what to seek, what to value, and what to pursue. He says, It is wonderful to be near God. Every pilot needs to learn from John Kennedy Jr.'s mistake. Every person needs to learn the lesson of Asaph. Don't lose your way. Thank you for listening to this special episode of the podcast by the Still Water. You can reach us on the web at concordchristians.org. That's concordchristians.org. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for listening.